Hello, everybody. Drasco here from 10knorm.com, where my main focus is to help guide heart-centered entrepreneurs under 10K months to basically transcend all of the blind spots that keep them from thinking, feeling, acting, and authentically marketing so they can normalize their own versions of 10K months. And in today's episode, we have another Real Talk segment where I bring in a heart-centered entrepreneur who's on their way towards their own 10K norm. And we have some real talk about what is currently their biggest challenge towards building their own version of their own 10K norm. And in that, what we explore is who they are, why they do what they do. And then live on the call, I get to help them get out of their own way on a challenge that they're currently facing and experiencing towards their current 10K norm. And on the segment today, we have Carrie Spras. How do you Sprasny? Is that how you say your last name? Spransy. Spransy. Okay, I totally butchered that, but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> my apologies for that. So, you know, hey, nothing's perfect, and this is a perfect explanation and uh, ex uh, showing of that. And uh, Carrie is somebody who is also a coach, and uh, the way that she calls herself is a resilience coach who basically helps people just do the damn thing. And so often that is exactly what we need to do. So I'm very happy to dive deeper into that. And uh, basically she helps people who are stuck in that hustle mode, which I know many people do, especially if they're coming from that corporate environment, uh, plagued and stuck in self-doubt, um, or they just can't, you know, they have those same blind spots we talked about at the beginning of why they can't move forward. So I love instances like this because I firmly believe and I've experienced myself that coaches need coaches as well, specifically for that blind spot reason. And uh, one of the things that I also want to lead with as far as Carrie and her background is when I was reading through all the notes uh, and what she sent my way in preparation for this call, like one of the things that stood out for me as I was reading it was like, been there, done that. You know, I, I think there was a very genuine, like the reason I can help people is because there is very little that I have not gone through myself. And I'm just going to highlight the things on here and definitely I, I want your take on it, but you know, single teen motherhood, two divorces, uh, loss due to suicide, stage four colon cancer, an international move, right? There's like, there's not a lot of stuff you can add to that list. You're like, you know, maybe you like this experience in life, you know, it's just like that to me is what stood out when I was uh, reading the stuff about you. So first and foremost, welcome on the show. Thank you for being here. And uh, yeah, I'd love to know more about you as I'm sure the people would as well. <laughs> Thanks, Drasco. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's so funny. Every time I am telling someone my story, whether it be for a podcast or a speaking engagement or whatever, and I kind of go through the laundry list of, of what's happened to me in my life that's led me to wanting to be a coach. I, I'm always, I'm always amazed and I lived it. And I'm still like, wow, that's, that's crazy amount of stuff to happen to one person in a lifetime. But but, you know, I think part of all of those experiences, like you said, colon cancer sort of being the, the last one, I hope it's the icing on the cake. I, I, don't, I can't imagine in universe, I don't need to be shown necessarily what's, what's going to top that per se. <laughs> I don't want to put any of that out there. But I do have to say that, that colon cancer, which happened to me in 2017, was sort of the, the turning point for me to just be like, it, it, it it brought into focus for me, wow, so much of what you've been through, if once you beat this colon cancer thing, 
to just go back to the corporate nine to five, working for someone else, selling a, a, a physical product, which is a decorative element for architects. And it's beautiful. And I do think that our physical space has an impact in our emotional health and well-being. I fully believe that. But I just felt at the end of that cancer journey that if I just went back to my corporate nine to five selling architectural materials, that everything that I had been up that I had been through up to that point would have been like a waste almost like what for why if why would you have had to, why would you have had to chosen whatever you believe about why things happen to us in our lives why would all of this have happened to you if you're not going to do anything with it and to be honest even from a very very early age I kind of always had this this sort of small voice inside saying that I was meant to help people, meant, meant to do something bigger with my life, meant to impact lives. But, you know, I came a, became a mom at 18 and I have to provide for this child and he needs health insurance and I need health insurance and we need food and a house and all of that. And so some of my life's choices started to make some decisions for me which is something I used to tell my son all the time, like don't make choices like getting a tattoo on your face that's going to start making decisions for you because right or wrong, that choice will make decisions for you. That is people are going to hire you and not hire you based on that one choice, right? So just kind of think things through a little bit. And um, yeah, I just always felt like there was there was something bigger, but there were some of these choices like being a single mom that sort of, yeah, for lack of a better word, forced me into this corporate job, which served me very, very well. There's no doubt about that. But life just continued to kind of offer up these opportunities for growth and for change. And I think I grew with each one of them, but cancer was really the, the thing that the drop that spilled the bucket to just be like, okay, I'm, that's it. I'm doing it. So I sold everything I owned. I quit my job. I sold everything I owned. I moved from Salt Lake city, Utah over to Amsterdam, Netherlands to be with my love and started my coaching practice. And I've never looked back. So it's been, yeah, it's been an incredible you know, journey to get here. <laughs> That's amazing. So full on jump into the deep end after that particular experience. So what I'm curious, because there's so many different directions, there's so many layers in, you know, just yeah. your intro. So I guess what I would want to start with, because you, you do coach people now. So I, I'm assuming that all these experiences have given you kind of that palette to recognize the patterns when you see them in others, right? And it's mm -hmm. one thing that I firmly believe and talk about, like, our capacity to influence the other or realize the other is completely and utterly correlational to our capacity to realize and, and see ourselves, mm -hmm. right? So what was it about the cancer? What was it about that particular thing that catalyzed this, this decision? Like, you know, cause there's a lot of other things you could argue could have done the same thing. What was it about that particular one that did it for you? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, and I totally agree. I mean, I, I think what makes a good coach is being able to see yourself in the person that you're talking to. Um, it's, it's, and, and I think that just makes you a, a, you know, that makes for a very kind, compassionate human being as well, just to be able to recognize yourself in someone else. 
Um, but the, yeah, to your question, the thing I think that cancer catalyzed for me to, to have it be the event in all of the events that I'd experienced to, to, to be the one that was like, okay, I'm ready to jump. Let's jump. We're going to just jump right into the deep end. What I think was because literally at a certain point during my cancer journey, the doctor said to me, we don't know that you're going to survive. This cancer has grown in such a way and is in a, a, an area of your body that the only way to remove it is surgery and it is life-threatening. And I was 41. My son was 23 and I was 41 and I was, you know, just a few years into, well, I was six months into my current husband and I being full on, but we had kind of been off and on for a few years before that. And then six months prior, we had decided, okay, we're going to do this. We're, we're all in, we're going to make this work. We're going to figure it out. He was, he's Dutch and was living in Amsterdam and I was living in Salt Lake city and we just were like, okay, let's do this. And then I get cancer. And then the doctors tell me about six months after that, I was diagnosed in January of 2017. And in July of 2017, the doctor said, we don't know that you're going to survive it. We're going to do everything we can. But first, we don't know that you'll survive it. So get your affairs in order. So my 23-year-old son and I did my will. We put everything I own in a trust because that's easier to do than dealing with probate court and all of that. We, you know, I gave him all the passwords, like I buttoned everything up. I cleaned up my side of the street with, I told all the people in my life how much I loved them and what they meant to me. I told the people in my life that I thought I needed, that I had, I had wounded or hurt in some way. And I apologized and asked for forgiveness and wished them love. And, you know, I did all of those things thinking that I was going to die. And then I went, got wheeled into the operating room with my whole family and my current husband standing there, my son as well, as, as if I was never going to see them again. I didn't know they were wheeling me away. Anesthesia was kicking in. And I, I, I didn't know if that was going to be it. Like that, that was very well, could have very well have been my last moments. And I just thought this is bullshit. 41 years. No. And when you're young, you think 41, Jesus, that's so old. Like, oh my God, 41. I mean, like I'm ancient. No, I'm 45 now. And I feel better than I have ever felt in my life. But at 41, I was like, this is super unfair. I only get 41 years on this planet. If I had known, if I had known, I would not have been afraid. I would have done, I would not have let fear run my life. I would have jumped in the deep end every single time, every single opportunity. I would have done the damn thing. I would have opened up my wellness retreat in Moab, Utah and bought and, and made that thing happen and figured it out. My son would have been fine. Like I would have just done things differently. At least I thought. Right now, granted, I also know that all the choices and decisions I'd made up into that point gave me the life that I have. But that was, I think it was that moment where like, I didn't know if I was going to wake up again, that I thought I'm not going to waste another moment living in fear. Not that I had felt that I had wasted my life up into that point. I, I wouldn't, I, I don't think I would have said that. And I didn't feel like I had wasted my life. But at that moment, I, I just said, never again, am I going to let fear make decisions for me?
I'm, I'm going to be brave and I'm going to do the thing that's burning in my heart. And I'm going to say the things that need to be said with kindness, but I'm not going to be afraid of the consequences. I'm going to, I'm going to speak and live my truth from here on out because like that, it can all be over. And then, and then why didn't you do it? So yeah, that, that I think is, I think that's the reason why now was the time for me. Now was the time. I love that because there's, again, so many layers <laughs> in that, right? I think ultimately it comes down to when the ultimate, you know, decision, the, the, the ultimate reality, which is what we all face at the end of the day is death. Mm -hmm. right? It's funny, I had a guest on uh, the other day that like she has this whole process of birthing like something internally, like figuratively has to die to birth something new. Mm -hmm. And that's what kept popping into my head as you were speaking. It's like, when faced with the ultimate reality, like the, 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 there is no more ultimate reality in our existence than death. Mm -hmm. Suddenly everything becomes very trivial. Like what was all of the bullshit that I was actually afraid of? And in, mm -hmm. in your instance, I think that was an extremely visceral thing because, hey, this thing that I don't directly control is impacting my body and it's making me face this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm happy that you shared that because I think, you know, if, and, you know, stoicism goes a lot into these types of things where like you meditate on your death, right? If, if I were to die, then can I get that same experience um, intentionally without having circumstances bring it to me? So it, mm -hmm. it's extremely important for that. And even just for the sake of like vulnerability, what it reminded me personally of is when I made the transition that eventually became 10K norm, it was essentially after having a business that I owned for 10 years implode mm. and it imploded very much due to my own emotional constipation and my own emotional blind spots. And that was one of the darker periods of my life. And what resonated with what you just shared is I understood at that point, this sentiment where people talk about uh, like suicide survivors. So like, it's not like I didn't want to live. It's just, I wanted the pain to stop. Yeah. And, and I was like, I finally understand exactly what that feels and then during that time I was also working uh with a healer and I was kind of sharing all these things and I was like you know having these suicidal thoughts mm -hmm. and she brought it to me in the same way that you're sharing where it's like if you are in this position where you are considering the like ultimate decision like the, the, there right. is no bigger decision that you could make it than like choosing death or or, or dying Mm -hmm. are all of the other decisions you have to make to like, if you are willing to feel that and go through that, that is more extreme than anything else you could possibly make. Start a new mm -hmm. business, do this thing, get a like whatever it is that you might be willing to do. It, it, it's not as extreme as this. And right. when I heard that, I was like, holy shit, like that is absolutely right. You know, like I, in the face of death, all of this other stuff just, you know, it becomes kind of irrelevant, really. So Absolutely. how does that land for you as, as, as a reflection? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's 100% for sure, right? Like, to, to your point, there are, you know, we're so afraid, most of us are so afraid to, to make a decision to take the leap to, to do something that's yearning and burning in our hearts, because we're afraid of failure, we're afraid we're going to lose all of our money, we're going to we, we might lose our partner, like of loss, right? We're afraid. We're afraid to fail. We're afraid to fall down. But everything except death 
any failure and failures death isn't a failure, but I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like all of these decisions and these choices that we make that we're afraid of, almost all of them, you can bounce back from, you can come back from, you can recover from, you can choose a new direction. You can try again, not death. That's it. Boom. Now, maybe we come back again and we get this whole other, maybe this is my fifth hundred, my fifth hundred, my 500th life. Right. But I don't remember that. I don't know. Maybe this, maybe I've done, I've done this, my soul, my brain, all of that has done life a hundred times, but I don't, I don't know that. I don't remember that. I will say during my cancer journey, there were a couple of glimpses. Like I felt like the veil between reality that I know and all of the stuff I don't know was very thin. And I had some crazy experiences with the spirit world and relatives that had passed and some really incredible, um, yeah, experiences during that time. But you know, you die and and that's it. So I, I, that it spoke so much to me. I I got a little bit teary eyed actually thinking about that because, you know, that surgery that I was mentioning to you where my life was threatened and my son and I did all of that in preparation for it. Obviously I survived it because I'm talking to you today, but one month to the day after that surgery with me, my son's father took his own life. Wow. So my son had to face potentially losing me and we went through all of that. And then a month later, he really lost his father. And when you were saying that, like, most people don't want to die, they just want the pain to end. I instantly got the shot to my heart thinking about my son's father. And I think that was absolutely 100% true for him. He didn't want to miss his son's life. And he has, he had three other kids. So he didn't want to miss the lives of his four kids. And now our son, my son has a, has a child. So I'm a grandma now. He, he didn't want to miss all of that, but he just wanted his pain to end. And he made the ultimate decision that he can't take back. That's it. That's done. You know? And, and so when you were saying that, that just like, you know, had he heard that, had he thought about it in that way, had someone been able to communicate that sentiment to him, would that have been enough to have him see that like all of the decisions and all the things that had led up to that point were, I don't want to say less than, cause it's not really about comparison, but were all things that, that he could change, that he could bounce back from, that he could shift and morph into make and mold and keep trying again and, and create the life that he wanted to live. But he made this one decision and then that's it. That's it. We don't have him anymore. And it's heartbreaking because our grandson is the most amazing thing on the entire planet. And in my heart, I believe that he's experiencing him, but our grandson is not experiencing his grandpa and that's heartbreaking. Yeah, like it's happening on a more, you know, energetic, I guess, less humanly visceral level. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I feel that as well. And I definitely agree with your sentiment with regards to, you know, maybe this is the 500 or the whatever 500th life that right. I've lived as well. But it's also the other part of the question is we don't know is like, is it the 500th life as me as I am right now? Right. Right. Because even mm-hmm. like that, that also is kind of the, the, the scarcity of life, which is, 
if it's not this experience, it, it might be another one, but like, I don't know that as like my current avatar. So I, I think that's also extremely important. And I think when you put that into, and again, it's, it's, it's easy to talk about kind of in isolation passively, like in the moment where like, I'm afraid to like post this marketing thing. Sure. You know, you're not really talking, like thinking about the, the grander picture of, of like mm -hmm. death and like, who am I and what's my real thing? I, I think the centering of that is important in what we do, but just not somewhere that, uh, you know, we go to quite often. Yeah. So my question to you then, or, or the follow-up comment, however you want to look at it is how do you bring, or do you bring those experiences in your day-to-day -day as a centering either for yourself or for your clients? Like, is that something that, that uh, happens or no? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I try to remember for myself personally, as it relates to like my business and marketing and putting that out there is that I, I, I do try to like check in with my gut because sometimes I, I, I think like, am I being too personal? Or am I being too graphic, you know, with my with my post or my story about uh, to get my point across, you know, am I being too graphic with my cancer journey or am I being, am, am I sharing too much about like the divorce from my second husband and how that all went down and the infidelity and things like that on my part, the infidelity on my part. And, and sometimes I feel like, but then I, I, I stop and I try to take a breath and I'm like, no, the, what is the intention behind why you're wanting to share this? It's not for my, it's not for attention for me. It's not because I want all of the likes and, and I want, you know, the sympathy. No, it's because I'm trying to show that I'm human and we all make mistakes and we can move through it. And there are lessons to be learned there. One of the phrases that I say all of the time is find your Jomo. And for me, Jomo stands for the joy of moving on. And that for me is how I build resilience. It's like shitty things happen to us either because of choices and decisions that we have made or because just life happens. Like, you know, we could argue and have a whole nother episode about like how in some previous life I chose cancer. And in some ways in my heart, like I do believe that that's true, that in a previous life or a previous existence, I said, I want to learn a particular lesson. And the universe said, okay, fine, you're going to have cancer. It's going to be 18 months. And, and in the realm and thought of eternity, I was like, fine, no big deal. Yeah. Give it to me. But then I'm here and I forget all of that. And I'm like, Oh, WTF what's happening. This is unfair. Why, why, you know, the JOMO, the joy of moving on is about how can you look at what's happened in your life and pick apart the pieces that have made you stronger, that have taught you a lesson and use that to find joy in where you are now. Um, so I, I, I do look at those types of things, but then with my clients, you know, what I try to remind them is, is like, I know that this is really hard right now, what's going on and that, it, and that it feels really big and it feels like you're never gonna get past it. But I want to remind you that you have been through 100% of your worst days ever. You've made it through. This is another one of those worst days ever and you will make it through. We will make it through. And you will be stronger on the other side. And, you know, we just breathe and we take one day at a time and we take one step at a time and we look for the glittery bits and we laugh, even if we're crying. And because life is still happening, even though life can be super shitty, like cancer was super shitty. Losing my ex-husband and my son's father was super shitty. And even though my heart was breaking and that was so hard, 
there was still beautiful life happening as well. There were still beautiful sunny days and trips to the desert and friends I hadn't seen in ages coming to visit and funny stories that people were remembering about him that I had forgotten about. And like, there was still joy and laughter happening. And, and I think those things can coexist together. So I try to remind myself and I try to remind my clients that, that nothing happens in isolation. It's always all happening all at once and feel the sadness and, and, and feel and like lean into what's going on, but don't shut out the other stuff that's happening too. Yeah, that full spectrum of mm -hmm. the human experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like where, you know, it's duality, it's it's we don't know joy if we don't know pain and, and, and vice yeah. versa. I mm -hmm. completely agree with you that that is the ultimate grounding experience. And I, and I love that, like Jomo, right? It, it's what, where is the next, you know, mm -hmm. thread of joy? Like that's ultimately where I want to look because the, the suffering is, is the suffering is in the staying of what is inevitable, which is the pain, right? Like That's the right. pain is a real, you know, visceral human state, but the choice to stay there is, you know, the suffering, right? So I think that yeah. is such a good way to develop your own North Star. And the other part that kind of resonated with me as you were speaking was, you know, you kind of started that whole bit saying, you know, if, you know, my, my ex had known what I had shared about, you know, it's not that I want to die, it's, it's that the, you know, I want the pain to go away. Um, and you let into, okay, well, sometimes like I'll, I'll get into these states where I'm like, should I share, like, am I sharing too much? Should I share this much? Should I share that much? Right. And what I want to connect both for you and for listeners, because this comes up all the time, as far as like authentic marketing, right. It, mm -hmm. It's, it's not about necessarily what it is that you say as much as how it is it that you're showing up. Mm -hmm. right? So when people hesitate to really show their full self, right? What they are denying is their own light to other people. Because at the end of the day, we are all like, the world is a mirror for what it is that's happening internally. So it's mm -hmm. unavoidable that whatever it is that we say, it will trigger somebody in some ways because everything is a reflection, right? Us dimming our own light, okay? Only ensures that the people who really need to see it don't actually see it, right? It's mm -hmm. kind of like, if you were a lighthouse, but that lighthouse, like, let me only turn it up like halfway. Like, is mm -hmm. it really helping all of the ships that could be coming to where it is that they need to come to, right? Mm -hmm. And even in this instance, if I had, you know, gone into that space of the fear of being like, okay, well, am I sharing too much? And like, should, should I be talking where it's like her episode? And like, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. maybe this will also help somebody much like you said, it, it might've helped, um, you know, your ex. So yeah. I just wanted to kind of bring that together because I think it's such an important point for people to remember that, you know, we can understand your mess becomes your message, but the reality of sitting and sharing your mess uh, has much more to do with overcoming your own resistance and, you know, finding that drum or finding that, you know, North Star that's going to pull you through that turbulence of that resistance um, it has much less to do with the intellectual understanding of I probably should do that. Mm -hmm. So thank you for, uh, for sharing that piece. Cause I think it's, it's super, super important. Yeah, I do think it's important. And, and I think one of the checks, you know, what you said, you know, that your message is in your mess. And I, I totally believe that that's true, but I also want to be sure that I'm keeping myself in check, that I'm not just putting my mess out there for some sort of like ego reward 
that there is an intention behind why I'm sharing this part of my story. Because I, I, it's not about ego. I want to, I'm sharing a part of my story because I want to highlight either the, what I gained on the other side, the mistakes that I made so that you can learn from my example or so that you don't feel so alone and isolated like it happens to everyone. Like, because, you know, particularly on social media and email and all of this, it can appear from the outside in that everyone else is doing it so much better than you are. And everyone else has it together so much better than you are. And nobody feels this way and nobody makes these mistakes and, and all of this. And it's simply not true. And so I really also try to tell my story with the intention behind to be like, hey, you're not alone. We all make mistakes and we can stand back up. We can dust ourselves off and we can try again. We can get a take two. We can keep going. We can keep moving forward. It's not the end of the world. It, yeah, it might be painful and you might make mistakes and hurt other people. I certainly have hurt people in my life by some of my choices and I can always go back and apologize and like their life just keeps happening. So I think it's important, at least for me, and that's the check that I do whenever I'm, I'm doing my marketing and trying to write my blog posts and, and email my list and talk to my clients and all that. It's like, am I telling this story to help them to help move someone along, to be a lighthouse, to use your word? Or am I telling this story just because like it, it serves my ego in some way. And that is a really, um, that is a point that I try to check in with myself often on that. Yeah. And I would reflect back that only somebody who has, you know, been through the, 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 the real life, like who's been through life, who is genuine about what it is that they want to do would give an answer like that. Mm. And the reason I say that is the self-awareness that goes into that, like, not to say speculation, but, but the inspection of like, what is the reason that I'm doing this thing for is somebody who's had to face enough pain in themselves to realize like, okay, when am I kind of lying to myself? When am I not, right? Because mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. Like the genesis of the thing becomes the thing, right? Meaning mm -hmm. the energy that we put into something, like that's the input, it will affect the output, right? So we can mm -hmm. both say the same thing, right? If you say it with hate, you'll probably get a hateful response. But if, you know, I say it with love, I'm more likely to get a loving response. So mm -hmm. uh, I do agree with you hundred percent that that intent completely and utterly matters. Um, as long as it then doesn't like, it's not hijacked by that inner critic. And then you're like, well, you know, I shouldn't post because like, I'm, I'm trying to like be humble and be good. Mm -hmm. That is a distortion of what is otherwise a very healthy, um, quality of an individual. That's at least been my experience working with people. Mm -hmm. um, so what I would want to lead with that then is, you know, clearly this is not your first rodeo as far as like really deeply understanding and, and, and like working with people and seeing the patterns. And clearly like, even if I don't look at your testimonials, like I know you do good work just based off of what you bring in. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious for somebody like yourself, what do you find is the major struggle towards that authentic marketing piece or towards your own 10k norm um however it is you want to take that question mm. yeah you know i think i don't know i think my inner saboteur and and sort of the the big hurdle that i have to come up with to getting to my 10k norm is that i do sometimes i feel like god really you're going to mention cancer again <laughs> in, in this other post right and so 
I think, you know, like my little voice on my shoulder talks about like, is there a new story that you can tell? Is there a new angle that you can tell? Are people getting bored? And I have to remind myself that like, well, some of my favorite people that I love, like Brene Brown, for example, she talks about generous assumptions almost every time she's on something in her books, on her things, because that's her message and that's her core belief, you know, or one of them. Right. And so I, I try to remind myself of like, we, we need to hear messages multiple times for it, for it to, to get in um, ingrained there. And yeah, I think sometimes I, I would say that sometimes also there's, there's maybe some holding back on my inner stories just because I want, I try, I want to be respectful of the other players in the story and not tell, I mean, you know, we all, life never doesn't ever happen in a vacuum. So we are all living our lives in and amongst other people. And so my actions uh, like I'll use it in the context. I have two sisters and a brother. So there are four of us and we will talk about childhood memories, you know, a camping trip that we all went on and all four of us remember it differently. Every, every one of us, because we are all experiencing life through our own filter, through our own lenses. We all, we have selective memories, you know, like we, we just remember the exact same experience differently. And I, 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 I feel like sometimes I hold myself back in my marketing or in my messaging and all of that kind of stuff, because I, I, I feel like, <laughs> I don't know, I want to sort of like have my cake and eat it too, in terms of being authentic and telling my story, but being respectful of the other person. And I don't necessarily want to offend them, but in some ways I feel like that sort of sugarcoats what's happened or glosses over the story and doesn't really super dive deep. That's not so much the case one-on-one -on -one when I'm coaching with someone because I know no one else is going to see the recording or see the message or whatever, because I'm just talking one-on-one -on -one with this person and really telling them the nitty gritty of what went down is going to help them see that they're not alone or that there's a way out and all of those types of things. But in sort of my mass marketing and in my business and trying to connect with people, I think sometimes I do gloss over stuff because I just maybe I, I, yeah, I want to not tell someone else's side of the story maybe, or start to get hate mail because they're like, that's not how it went down. This is how it happened. And so then I, I don't know, did I even answer the question? <laughs> I mean, listen, whatever comes up is exactly what needed to come up. So it's, it's not up to me to, to, to yeah. that piece. Um, I, I guess a follow-up question that I would have then is, Actually, okay, clarifying question first, right? So right now, it kind of sounds to me like I'm not being 100% as authentic as I would like to be in my messaging. Is that accurate or no? Yeah, I think that's accurate. You know, I think that I do think that's accurate for the reasons that I just said. And I think also too, because I was raised in a very religious um, society um, coming from Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, you know, I was raised LDS and all of that. And so in my day-to-day -day life and speaking with people, you know, I, I curse and, and I, I just speak like a regular human being, but I find myself in my writing and, and that type of stuff. And on my website, like making it a little PG instead of maybe a little more R rated. And it feels like, God, why don't, 
Like just be you. And if you just put that stuff out there and write it the way that you would say it, if you were talking to your best friend, yeah, some people are going to be like, she's not for me, but that's okay. Cause I can't be for everybody. But I, yeah, there's, there does seem to be this thing where I, I hold myself back for, for those reasons. Like I'm not being fully 100% me. And if you were 100% you, then what? Maybe the writing would come easier. The, the thinking about my, my social media feed might be a, a little bit more real. It's not super glossed over and filtered, but it might be even more real. And I think all that it would do is it would just be a bigger magnet for the, the people that I'm really meant to help. I would be that brighter lighthouse, like you said, and I would, the ships further out at sea would see me instead of the ones a little bit closer in the calmer water, but the ones way out there really in the eye of the storm might be able to see me. Got it. Okay. And if you were to shine that brightly so that the far, you know, reaching ships could see you, mm-hmm. what would happen then? Well, I think then like 10K months would be, I, I, it wouldn't even be a thing. It would just, it would be the norm <laughs> to, to go back to the, like, I just think, I just think that business would be easier. Acquire, clients would, would be coming. I would, I would be having, I wouldn't have enough time to help the amount of people that would be coming to my shores asking for help, like that would be flocking to, to me. Because that I, my message and who I am and my personality would resonate them. I, I just, I think that I would, I would have a different problem, which would be how in the hell do I serve all of these people? How do I help all of these people? I'm one person. How can I make this happen? And it would just catapult me to the next step without even having to do too much more work to get them there other than to just be myself. Well, what a great way to keep yourself where you are. If uh, the, the threat to all of this is helping too many people, <laughs> God forbid we help too many people and have that I problem. Know. But you know what though, as a coach, like how many times are we as coaches listening to our clients and we're like, yeah, terrible. That sounds awful. Like, I mean, yeah, I would continue to hold yourself back so that you help fewer people. And I think that's one of the beautiful things why I love being a coach is because I can see that so often in other people. And frankly, I feel like, you know, so often I'm coaching someone else. And and like you said, they are a mirror back to me. So some of the struggles that they're going through that I'm coaching them through, I recognize in myself like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. I see a little bit of that going on. All right. So take some of your own advice and start to unpack this a little bit. So it's just, it's one of the things I love about being a coach, to be honest, is just the, the community, the commonality that I see. We're all so similar. We are all so similar and struggling with so many of the same things. It shows up differently for each of us, but it, but the, the, this, the core of it is it's all, you know, fear and ego and our inner saboteur and holding ourselves back and dimming our light. And it's all just a different flavor of that. A hundred percent agreed. And, uh, knowing that, how would you then coach yourself in this particular instance regarding the authenticity? Yeah, I would just, you know, I would say like, the truth is, is that, um, you can't be the, you, you can't be the flavor that everybody likes. You can't be everything for everyone. You simply can't. Not everybody loves vanilla ice cream. For example, I actually 
think it's it's my favorite but some people think like oh my god vanilla it's so boring why would you choose vanilla of all the flavors and I'm like because the simplicity I just love it right so like you can't be everything to everyone so why not be yourself because when you shine your full light out there you will attract your people and your people are the people that you can really help. The other ones who are sort of half your people or not really your people because you've changed your marketing in such a way that you've attracted them, but it's not really who you are. It's not really what you stand for. You're not, you're not really, you may not be able to help them in the way that they need. And perhaps you could even do damage, right? Because you could sour them on coaching and then they don't go and seek somebody else that could really, that could be a better help for them, that could be a better resource for them. So, and, and really sister, what do you have to lose? Because I mean, hi, you've already faced cancer for Christ's sake. You've already like faced death and decided I'm no longer going to be this way. I'm going to go, but here you are kind of holding yourself back. So if cancer came knocking again, if life was threatened again, which at some point it will be, are you going to look back? Do you want to look back and be like, God, if only I had just been full on what would have happened? Like get curious girl about what would happen if you got full on, like just see, be brave, see, stand on the edge, jump, play full on and let's see what happens. That's yeah. So I think that was wonderfully articulated. It, it would make for an awesome blog post. <clears throat> What I would invite you to do right now is mm -hmm. actually make it personal, right? It's not, hey girl, why don't you just jump off? It's ask yourself or tell yourself the same thing. Yeah, it's Carrie, why are you holding back? And, and the reason I think I'm holding back and I don't play full on is because, oh my God, why am I gonna get emotional right now? One, I don't wanna piss off my parents because I love them dearly and they have given me an incredible life and I am a different person than what they raised me to be. And I don't want to be offensive to them in terms of the way I speak or how I think about, which is silly because when I'm with them live, I am able to, I, I don't, I don't curse around them because it's offensive to them and I'm respectful of them in their home. So I don't drop the, I, you know, I don't say fuck every other word when I'm speaking to them, even though I say that really often in my life, but with them, I don't because they're my parents and I want to, I want to be respectful. And I know that they support me in my business and they're reading my stuff. And then the other thing is, is that, um, there are other people in my life that I feel that way that have led like my second divorce. I cheated on my second ex-husband and it caused him a tremendous amount of pain and it blew up my marriage and it was really messy. And I learned a lot from it and I'm not proud of it and he didn't deserve it. And it's something that happened, but I don't think of myself as I'm not, I'm not ashamed of what I did, but I also know that like, I want to tell my story in a way that doesn't continue to hurt him. <laughs> And, and I don't know actually that I can control that, right? Like I just have to tell my side of the story and then how he experiences it is how he experiences it. But I know for sure that I hold myself back for that because I don't want to cause him any more pain and I don't want to cause my parents pain. And so I try to, I try to walk the middle line, which I, don't, I think is effective to a point, but it's not fully truly who I am. So, you know, it's just like Carrie you know that your parents love you and that 
you can talk to them about anything. And should you say something in a way that offends them, they can bring it up to you and you can have an honest conversation with them and you can work through that. Right. And then with your ex, if you say something that offends him, well, he also has the, um, the free will and the option to call you and discuss it with you and you can talk through it. And, and he may not even see it. I mean, you haven't talked to the guy in like four years now. So like really what is it that you're worried about? And, you know, I think I just, I don't, I don't nobody. I don't, I don't like hurting people. I, I'm the Jomo girl. I'm the girl that's all about like joy and moving on and happiness and seeing the bright side. And sometimes when I show my, uh, when I talk honestly about what's happened, it, it feels maybe kind of, it feels maybe counterintuitive. Like, but I would say you, know? you are hurting somebody. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> right now sure. you're hurting yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It causes me, sometimes it causes me days of thinking like, oh, should I say it and rewriting and rewriting it and rewriting it. And this, the dumb thing is, is that in the moment, again, when I'm talking with a client, all of that goes away. So and I, I'm just going to interrupt you for, yes, please. Because And the reason why it's not because I necessarily want to interrupt you. It's because you are so smart and you do understand the situation very well you do understand the interwoven aspects mm -hmm. okay and our strengths always become our biggest distortions mm -hmm. so as soon as you went into the emotional bit which is the real issue here i, I don't think yeah. authenticity is actually the issue it is who will be disappointed if i am authentic Right. Yeah. As soon as we went there, your brain went on a tangent. Why? Because it's protecting you from that particular yeah. pain. Yeah. Okay. So in this instance, when you were like, yeah, but I don't, I don't hurt people. I'm, I'm the Jomo girl. I'm happy, etc." Right. My reflection yeah. back was, but you are hurting the most important person, which is yourself. Yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then we went somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So can you acknowledge the hurt that this relationship to authenticity is actually causing. Yeah, I mean, as soon as you said that, I are, I got teary-eyed again when you were talking, and it's true. Like, um, yeah, the person that the inauthenticity is hurting is myself, and I don't. So, diving deeper into that, mm -hmm. if you were to take your statements, if I'm authentic, I will hurt my ex-husband. I will hurt my parents. Can you replace all of the externals with myself? And what would the statement be? If I'm inauthentic, I will hurt myself. If I'm authentic. Hmm. I think if I'm, if I'm authentic, <laughs> Drasco. <laughs> <laughs> If I am authentic, then I will expose a side of myself that has never felt enough. That has, that has never felt enough. And I don't know where the origin of that never feeling enough is because I, I just don't know where that comes from. My parents loved me unconditional. They still do. I spoke to them today. Like that, I don't know where that comes from, but I've never felt enough. And if I, if I, expose myself authentically, 
then I will be putting that flag of not enough out there. I'll be showing people that I think that I'm not enough. And then will they trust me to coach them? Will they think that I'm enough? Will, will, will people believe in me? Will I believe in me? Do I, do I believe in me? I, be, I, I feel like I do believe in me. I've been through so much. I can, I feel like I'm, I'm a rock star. I can do, I can do it. I can do this life and I can do it with flair and with gusto and all of that type of stuff. Right. And, um, but yeah, I've just, I've just never felt enough. And if I'm, and that is what has led to so much of where my life has become with the hustling. And I mean, frankly, me never feeling enough led to the infidelity, right? Like it's, that has been a running theme in my life forever as for as long as I can remember. And, um, if I'm fully authentic, then I will show that I'll tell the world that, that I feel that way about myself. And that feels really, really scary. And that like, and that if I do that, then 10 K months and, and a thriving business and helping thousands of people and having them come to my shores. Cause my light is so bright. It won't happen. They won't believe me. Well, sounds to me like you figured out um, <laughs> what the missing piece in your authentic marketing <laughs> actually is. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. So get ready, I guess, for some crazy stories, people. <laughs> hey, listen, that, that's what this is all about, crazy stories. So, uh, thank you for sharing yours because that yeah. was kind of what, you know, I, I wanted that specifically to, not to say I wanted it to happen, but it was just when I, like one of the most common things that I see when I work with clients, and this has certainly been true in my life as well, is People that are smart, people that get it, people that have been through stuff, they can see the patterns that are, that are intellectually like very dominant. Mm -hmm. That can serve us so well. But as a distortion, it leaves us completely and utterly always falling into doom loops. Why? Because what we attach to is these narratives that are always just circling around the very thing that if we were to pause, you know, whether facilitated or by ourselves, look at would actually just give us the linchpin that we need to go forward mm -hmm. and your story of like well i'm doing the thing like i'm doing the marketing i'm doing the posting i'm hustling i'm reaching out etc yeah every single reach out is likely to be something that you're hoping will prove that i am enough like if mm -hmm. i do more of this thing it will eventually prove that i'm enough then i can do the things i need to do to actually normalize my version of 10k months mm -hmm. the reality is your worth is inherent there are certain things you haven't earned just because you know you like the, the pieces haven't been moved or whatever but worth and earning are two completely separate things mm -hmm. right we are all inherently worthy of all the abundance that we want, but it does take certain things to do, be, think, whatever, to normalize that version of 10K months and, and beyond, mm -hmm. right? So I applaud you and I thank you for being here to really highlight like, you know, your, your stories, like those could have been blog posts, they could have been videos. Like if you had, you know, gone on stage or said that people were like, wow, that's amazing. And it is because you are so articulate but the easiest person to lie to is ourselves, mm -hmm. right? And these are very nicely spun lies about inherently attaching to this thing of, I need to do things to prove that I am enough. Mm -hmm. So how does all of that land for you? No, it's, it's a hundred percent. I'm, I'm an excellent hustler. <laughs> I am. 
And, you know, I, I am, I, I had my whole life since, well, yeah, my whole life since about 13 or 14, when um, I, I think it's sort of when this whole feeling of like, not enough. And I think it's a kind of all wrapped up into like, like puberty and, and, you know, starting to like notice boys and boys starting to notice you and all of that kind of stuff. And just like how that whole, you know, um, thing of uh, maturing and, and, and stuff goes forward this, but this theme of not enough has been here for a while. And it, it resonates fully with me, what you said that, um, I can circle around it quite a lot, but, but the, the, the seed, the nut in the middle there is yeah, not enough. And I, it's funny because it's exactly what I coach people towards. I can see it so clearly in other people. Like you just don't believe that you're enough and why, and ask the questions like you did, but asking of myself and really getting in there and remembering it every time is so tough. It's hard to see the label when you're in the bottle, you know, like it is exactly what it's about. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. So thank you for the reminder. And, and yeah, I, I 100% believe that we all are inherently worthy of love and of belonging and, and of the abundance that we want and all of those kinds of things and that we just get in our own way. And I, I get in my own way. I mean, I'm a human being, so I, I get in my own way all the time and I fall into these old patterns and triggers happen that, ah, you know, send me back into that, those old modes. And um, so it's always helpful. I mean, it's, I, I believe that every person on the planet should have a coach because they help you even coaches. I have a coach. This is a coaching call. You know, I, it's so good because they, they, they're outside the bottle. And when I'm in the bottle, I need my coach on the outside being like, hello, I see you in there. Do you want to come out? This is how I see you get out of there. And, um, so, so moving forward, you know, I, I, yeah, it's tapping into and, and getting, just asking myself, like, am I going to offend someone with this story? The, the, instead of asking that it's asking, is this the authentic way to tell the story? If I were just me and Drasco, nobody else listening, is this how I would say this? Is this how I would tell the story? Is this the message that I want to get across? And what's the point that I'm trying to make and look at, my marketing and my messages and my emails and my interactions out to the world um, from that lens, I think will make it, well, be a good start. You know, I'm not going to be perfect hundred percent, but if I can remember to ask those questions, I think it's going to make a huge impact. A hundred percent. I agree with you. And I mean, I could see that already happening, you know, like we finished this call and like, that's the first thing you do. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's what happens. Um, what I would say and kind of tie that into, like, if, if we could tie it in together, like one of the things that we do, even in the 10K norm program, right? Like I, the program actually doesn't start with anything related to marketing. And that's the, the reason is specifically what you just mentioned and shown is I could have the perfect strategy. I can know the perfect template of how to write and record a video, do whatever it is that you do for your marketing. Mm -hmm. But if behind that, I don't know how to self-coach my way through the resistance that's there, whether I don't even know that it's there or when I realize that it's there, I, I just usually we just numb it in some show, like shape or form. Mm -hmm. right? We talked about before the genesis of the thing becomes the thing. That's the energy we put into the marketing. What do we get? We get lackluster vanilla messaging, right? Like you mentioned mm -hmm. before. So the real kind of path towards getting to the point where 
I know what it is that I authentically want to say, and then I'm just using these marketing tools to kind of give it a vehicle is like thought management, feeling management, right? Being able to be aware enough of my feelings and the alarms that generally tend to go off, we just don't notice, right? Every time we feel something is off, we know it like deep down inside, like, well, I, yeah, I kind of knew that. Like everybody's had that experience, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, how do I navigate the turbulence of resistance when I do hit that edge? How do I manage my thoughts in that moment so that I can do something like we just did, i.e. how do I self-coach my way through it? And then how do I stay focused long enough, frequently enough, consistently enough to build that self-trust with myself that when I do go out and do my marketing, I know the process I need to go through to ensure that my most authentic self is actually will get inputted into that, right? I know it's a little bit of a longer answer that I'm just going to go do it, but I think it is the critical pieces that is not really talked about in, you know, whatever you want to call this business coaching or or whatever, Mm -hmm. Because I think that is the critical piece that's missing, right? And as I think as we talked about before this call, it's seldom do we have marketing issues. We have personal issues that mm-hmm. show up in our marketing, right? Totally. And that is a perfect example. And, and, you know, thank you for being, you know, volunteering to, to do this because it was such a beautiful example of that very thing. So just from me, you know, as being the host or whatever, I, I applaud you for coming on and uh, I appreciate you for bravely uh, navigating through, you know, things that aren't exactly that fun. Oh, well, thank you. And thanks for uh, getting me out of the bottle and helping me see that this, this not enough, this pee under my 37, well, I'm 45. So this pee under my 45 mattresses um, is this not enough pee. And it is still like this bed is lumpy. And even after 45 years, I can still feel it in my back. And, and, um, you know, so thank you for reminding me to see that. And I, I, yeah, I mean, I think moving forward, one of the things that I am going to think about before I write or film or do anything is like kind of write out my script or type it up and then, and then do in fact think like if I were talking to Drasco or just one of my clients and it was just one-on-one, is this how I would say this? without like anyone else on the planet thinking that they're going to hear it just one-on-one is this how I would say it? And, and if not, I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it to how it would be just that because it will hit that, that one person that needs to hear it that way. And, and everybody else, like it'll go, it'll just go past them because it's not the message for them, I guess. And, and that's I love what- that like reframe that, that kind of, you know, another kind of Jomo type thing where it's like, this is my North star. This kind of pulls me and anchors me. Mm-hmm. And the reason I love it is one of the things we often forget about, right? Because a lot of thought management is about how do I discern what's actually true that I'm attaching to, like what is actually reality? And then what am I kind of conjuring and making up? Mm-hmm. So in this instance, because this happens often uh, in many different ways, in your instance, it was, you know, my parents or, or, or my ex, in the moment that you are writing, in the moment that you are posting, nobody is actually there, mm-hmm. right? And you even said it yourself previously, I talked to my siblings, the same thing happened, we have, you know, 10 different interpretations of what happened. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as Byron Katie talks about, there's three types of business, right? There's ours, yours, and God's. Mm-hmm. the longer I spend thinking about your business. So my parents, my ex, my siblings, the people that I know that I'm going to hurt, the less time, energy, and really love am I actually taking a look at inside what is authentically me. 
-hmm. because I could say even the thing that I don't think is going to offend anybody and somebody else close to me, whatever, will also interpret it bad. Yeah. Right. And at the end of the day, they are entitled to their interpretation. I'm entitled to mine. It is mine. That is the light that will reflect whatever they need to reflect. And it also attract the people that I need to attract. Mm -hmm. Truth you are speaking. It actually has nothing to do with anybody else. So what I would also add to that piece for you to take away and for everybody else that has those thoughts, the people you think about are actually only archetypes that your brain uses to really say, my thoughts are judging this. My thoughts mm. will be hurt. Yeah, yeah. Right, because they, they don't actually exist. Right. Right, so it's sure. just your brain is using the archetype to anchor in, okay, I, I don't wanna think about it. I'm not good enough because you know that sucks. But if I think of this person close to me, like it, it's close enough archetype that like, we'll use this to like not go there. Yeah. Right? And again, going back to the whole thing of like the, the easiest person to lie to is ourselves. So mm-hmm. I would just invite you to add that piece because that comes up so often of like, if I come out, I talk about this, like what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. You don't know. You, you actually don't know. You are conjuring reality. Reality hasn't told you what's going to happen when you go live and you talk about your divorce or you talk about right. your, or whatever it is you want to talk about. Right. It's only when I say it, do I actually get the chance to, for reality to reflect back to me? That's right. Yeah. Right. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And I, I love Byron Katie and I've read, I've read some of her stuff and yeah, it's, it's, that's, you're absolutely right. It's, I mean, but so many of us live our entire lives by in what ifs and a bunch of stories, you know I mean? It goes into the like suffering, right? Suffering is just the story and the meaning that we attach to stuff that happens in our lives. That's what causes suffering. Correct. No, I, I can't remember who said it, but there's that that phrase out there that's like, you know, pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. And and I, I truly believe that to be true. And I'm a human being. And so I fall back into my patterns and the the little gremlin starts talking and I start listening and then I feed him after midnight and then I'm in trouble. And then I need to come on a podcast like this and be reminded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because why handle the gremlin on its own when you could just do it publicly in front of it? Yeah, you know, I'm just going to, you know, because I'm so afraid of offending people and not being enough. I'm just going to hang him all my laundry out here on this podcast. We'll just do it like this. It's well, much, much as you easier. started with, right? You just go into the deep end. So I think this is very reflective of that. So thank I you very do. much for, uh, for all of that. And then yeah. just to kind of cap it off, um, how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, I think the easiest way for people to get in touch with me is uh, from my website, which is carryoncoaching.com. So it's spelled like my name, K-A-R-E-Y, oncoaching.com. That's the easiest way to get in touch with me. And then I'm on uh, Instagram as well at carry underscore on coaching. Awesome. Well, we'll have all of that in the show notes. So you guys can certainly go there if you would like to carry on and to do the damn thing or uh right. you know i guess as we're going to do now just do the fucking thing do the fucking <laughs> that, thing. that will be the authentic bit <laughs> so thank you very much for coming this was yeah. great and uh definitely go check out all of carrie's wonderful stuff thank uh, you Jurassic. be there with you guys soon take it on to the next one